Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. We're going to start right away. We have a very important individual on the line first, and uh, that is Corbett Mosley, who's the Managing Director for the Community Investment Plan with the Washington State Department of Commerce. And uh, there was a pool of money set aside to go specifically to six counties. I'm going to go ahead and go to Mr. Mosley right now and let him talk about uh, how this process will work and uh, how he is making sure that it's effective. So go right ahead, Mr. Yeah. Corbett. Uh, Eddie, thank you for having me back on. Um, you know, last time I was uh, on the the, the show, um, I was on the research side and helping to inform the process. Now with Department of Commerce, um, and just really excited about the work and how it's moving forward. Um, there is a really key opportunity that's coming up. And just to remind folks, the Community Reinvestment Plan is uh, $200 million from the general fund to deal with the disproportionate impact of um, and historical design of the enforcement of drug-related laws and penalties in Washington state. And um, there are 17 different grant programs. Um, they cover, they span four crucial program areas, economic development, civil and criminal legal assistance, community-based violence intervention and prevention services, and reentry services. Um, most of that funding is in economic development, where it's um, intended to create jobs, generate wealth, um, <clears throat> help people start or grow a business or purchase an asset like a home or a piece of property or land or those kinds of things. So it's really some innovative, um, you know, opportunities for communities to move forward. And it's targeted to buy in for organizations um, in the design. And, and what that means for us is that this funding is focused on Black, Latino, and Indigenous communities across the um, across the state. So uh, within, and then the, the target of the funds is in six counties. That's Pierce, King, Snohomish, um, Clark County, which is on the other side of Portland, uh, Yakima, and Spokane. Um, and, and Eddie, I just want to uh, share an, an opportunity for people to provide input. One of the biggest questions that we got early on was, how are we going to make sure that the money is going where it needs to go, and how do we leverage the opportunity? Well, um, there's a survey that we have out to be able to um, just set the, the, the stage for what's going to be coming in the next couple of months. And when I say next couple of months, I mean um next uh 60 to 90 days a lot more information on local advisory teams in the six counties and um and uh the community advisory board the statewide community advisory board um so these two groups um but particularly um the local advisory teams Eddie are really important to help um help communities uh be able to align the resources, they have a budget to spend down in terms of implementation, they can catch and maybe even fund things that we didn't include in the plan, they can help fund projects that um, help support um, the dollars being spent in the target communities. Um, and it's a really great, kind of important opportunity for folks to get engaged about. Well, you said, uh, they, uh, now how can people access information? Is information available uh, online right now? Yeah, um, you know, the best way to kind of stay engaged with the project is, um, you know, it's kind of a long URL, so I won't try to spell it out. Um, Google or Bing, um, you know, uh, the Community Reinvestment Project and Department of Commerce, and it should be the first link that pops up on your search history. Um, so if you Google Community Reinvestment Project Washington State or Community Reinvestment um, Project uh, commerce, it'll pop up and you'll see details and updates about the plan and how things are progressing. We will have a dashboard up there at some point where people can see how the dollars are flowing, how it's being contracted out, um, how, you know, things are being spent, um, and who's receiving, what kinds of organizations are receiving the funding. Um, it's particularly important that we ensure that, um, Black, Indigenous, and Latino buying for organizations receive um, uh, some of this funding so that they can support the work. 
Um, but also on that website, there's a place where you can sign up and you can sign up for um, email newsletters and announcements as they become available, things related to grants and loans and funding opportunities are knowing which um, organizations have resources where you can access some of the um, services and opportunities that we put in play in the plan um, by joining on to that listserv. So really encourage people to Google um, community reinvestment plan, visit the webpage, learn about the project and listen uh, you know, for opportunities that may help you or your family or your neighbors um, with a, a, a really a, a great package of information and resources to help people economically thrive. And that's what we really want to see people do. Well, I really do appreciate you uh, coming on here with a cold that I had yeah. a couple <laughs> of weeks. I could hear it in your voice. And I really appreciate you going above and beyond the call of duty to share this information. Now, uh, the question has been raised, is this for nonprofits or for uh, African-American-owned businesses? Who qualifies uh, to participate? That's a great question, Eddie. And it's all of the above, depending on the grant program, since there's 17 of them. So in some cases, uh, there's a couple of funding pots where only lending agencies um, qualify. And, and that's because we're trying to leverage um, additional capital. There's certain programs that are really intended for small grassroots organizations like um, even there's even a, a program for and for listeners might be interested in this for barbershops who want to do navigation. There is a grant program to help them receive training for navigation services, paid training, and compensate them for getting their clients connected to resources. Um, that's really, really innovative and culturally responsive um, uh, approaches to how we do work. There's another program that is going to uh, sponsor urban youth sports teams. So coaches who have been unpaid or need staff or need additional support, they can they can get additional training um, for to support their team. And they can also get their team kind of sponsored and funded um, as they provide a critical mentorship service um, to our community. There's other programs where there's capital to purchase land, to purchase a building, to purchase a home, or to, if you own your home and want to expand for a DADU, there's funding for that too. A DADU, by the way, is a mother-in-law or an extension on your, your home. Um, if you want to make your home bigger so that you can have your extended family live with you, there's funding for that. Um, so there's really a lot of really great things in the full package. I really encourage people to read the plan to um, stay up to date with uh, with with your show, of course, because I try to come here and 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 make sure that your your listeners uh, and and my community is is really informed. Um, but there's some great opportunities there. Corvette, with uh, you guys sitting on 200 million, believe me, you'll be a regular uh, visitor on this program because the information that you're sharing is what is a welcome to the black community. I don't know about the other communities. But it's one thing that we have not ha had equal access to, and that is to uh, uh, to uh, capital. And uh, I can recall back when they set up the link deposit program, uh, Jesse Weinberg was the state representative then, and I think George Fleming was the state senator. And uh, when you look and see who got the loans, because they're dealing with traditional lending institutions, uh, African-Americans are still at the bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, people go, well, how come the other minorities? Well, a lot of other minorities come from countries that have airlines and a treasure and all those folks are not poor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had arguments with people before about, oh, you blacks want preferential treatment. I said, what is preferential about 254 years of slavery, dying in every war, including mm -hmm. in segregated units, coming back to discrimination, humiliation mm -hmm. and degradation? Mm -hmm. It seems to me that at some point in time, it seems like it would be earned. It's not preferential. Mm -hmm. We've earned that. And I'm not going to let anybody forget it. And that's why Ron DeSantis, I want you to know folks to know our history. So how what we've done for this country. But uh, I think what what uh, that's very innovative. I'm glad that they have uh, you uh, at the steering wheel because you know the community. Uh, you know, I know you know Pierce County inside out and through the Black Collective, uh, the, our 
really the I-5 corridor has really been connected because we got people from Everett, Seattle, Federal Way, Renton, Auburn, Tacoma, Lakewood, and all mm -hmm. places in Pierce County all hearing the same message uh, from Ellen and Lyle Quasim and Corvette Mosley almost every week. So mm -hmm. that's a good thing we have that kind of uh, setup. So, uh, but the most important thing you said, once again, give the folks information on how they can access the information. Yeah, really encourage people to, to Google Community Reinvestment Plan Washington State or Community Reinvestment Plan Commerce, and it should pop up in one of the top listings, and then you'll see a landing page on Department of Commerce, and there's a place where you can sign up for a listserv, and that is an email. You put in your email address, and when we have new updates to share out, you'll be the first to know through that process. And um, and can track and see updates um, on that landing page. And we'll try to provide m much more updates coming in the next 30 days. Um, I do want to share out one um, particular resource to begin to think about and prepare for. Um, I talked to, you know, I mentioned a couple of the grants out of the 17, but there's one that I'm particularly uh, really excited about. It's the match savings account. And so um, for folks that, that enroll um, that are, uh, with a target and focus of Black, Latino, and Indigenous, um, when they enroll, they can um, save up to $10,000 of their earned income, and it'll get matched with another $10,000 um, to purchase an asset. They can use it to start a business. Um, they can use it to fund their education. They can use it to purchase a home. They can use it to expand their business, um, things like that. That's a really new, innovative program. It's a $25 million pot. Oregon has been doing that kind of work um, just to the south of us for the past uh, you know, 20 years, and they invest $25 million a year. This is the first time Washington State has done this kind of investment for that kind of program. California invests about $50 million a year. And so just really wanting folks to know that these resources are coming. They are uh, available for them. And we want to make sure that that folks take advantage of the opportunity to really be able to pass long generational wealth. And, you know, uh, one of the other questions has been asked, is this a one time only event or will this be something that will be annual? Uh, this funding is um, uh, actually uh, ends July of 2025. Um, and uh, I think there's conversations about um, there's other conversations about you know, how uh, I, I think other folks are interested in continuing on with this kind of approach. Um, and we'll just have to stick the landing and 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 see how things work and in terms of us implementing it. Well, Corbett, uh, you know, this is a welcome, it's a welcome site, but for, for, I tell you that to have this going on. So, hey, thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. And right. uh, get well soon. I, yes, sir. I, I'm really getting there. Okay. Yes, sir. And uh, and can you tell the blockers I said I said uh, hi and uh, they can uh, hear you right now. So all right, you, you want to say hi to Corvette? Yes, those. those yes. Are, well, how you doing? How you doing? Okay, good. Good to see you. Yeah, uh, have a good have a good interview um um with our with with Uncle Eddie. <laughs> all right, now uh, we're all looking right. forward to it. We're so honored. All right. Okay. Thanks, see Corvette. Later. Bye. My next guest, I, I think uh, Mr. Keith Blocker is going to be on, but we do have Christina Blocker, the founder of uh, of, uh, of uh, let me get it, let me get it right, Momentum Professional Strategy Partners, and at, uh, she has also been out doing outstanding work in another, not a lot of other venues as well. So why don't you talk about number one, the organization, what you've been able to accomplish? You had a very lengthy press release, was very impressive. So, uh, and I see that Mr. Blocker is transitioning from the chief of operations at CEO, and you're going to go back just to being the founder and really yeah. the, the driver of the train. How you doing, uh, Council Member Keith Blocker? Oh, I'm doing well, Mr. Rye. How are you doing? Okay, we have we have the founder on the line with us now. Congratulations on your your upward move to becoming the CEO of the organization. We appreciate that. So, we'll Thanks. go with the founder first. Uh, so why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about your organization, Ms. Christina Blocker, and then we'll get into more details after that. Awesome. First, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's such an honor to be here with you, Mr. Rye. We appreciate you and your amazing work. 
I'm really excited to talk about Momentum. Momentum was founded really to really rethink how we approach diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. A lot of our work centers around, especially over the past few years, making sure that when people are thinking about how DEIA, that's how we like to frame it, is implemented within organizations, that it's sustainable, that it doesn't just stop at facilitation or professional development, but that we treat it just like we would any other business metric, right? If we are, if we had some HR issues, right, we wouldn't only as a way to um, improve our workplaces or support our employees, only provide them with a professional development workshop, we would really look at the metrics and really look at how we are doing our work to really rethink how we support folks. And so our work at Momentum is around that. And the beauty of our work is it's not only for organizations that are looking to do DEIA um, improvements or add DEIA strategy. I think the beauty of our team and what I've seen with our team and the work that we've been able to do, happy to go into that in a little bit, is that it extends beyond organizational strategy and it extends into the communities that our clients work within. So one short example of that is our work with the Washington State Department of Health. Our work is centered around elevating Black wellness. And when we think about wellness and, and our work within DEIA, uh, aspect about momentum is when we're doing our work, we're able to utilize several lenses. So when we're thinking about, for this example, elevating Black wellness, we're thinking about what does accessibility look like? How are we making sure that folks that might be 65 plus, folks that might be experiencing or have a disability, folks that might not have the access that some of us might have, how can we make sure when we're having conversations, when we're when we're doing community engagement, when we are connecting with folks, that we're doing so with a diverse, an emphasis on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. So I like to encompass all that by saying momentum is a catalyst for change, but really through leading with a DEIA lens. We're going to the new CEO of, of the organization. Councilman Keith Blocker. Uh, everybody thought he was going to be running for Congress this time around, but he chose to go to the private sector. So uh, share with us your uh, your duties and responsibilities and a little bit about uh, your background, sir. Uh, thank you, Mr. Rye. So as CEO, you know, I've managed the day-to-day -day operations. Uh, one of my philosophies is, you know, when you're, when you're building a company, the baseline of building a company is building your team, right? So like really focusing on staff development, um, skill building, uh, bringing continuity to the team and really focusing on internal relationship building. Um, I like to, you know, be someone that practice what I preach. So as an organizational leader, I want to make sure that we're able to manage and resolve our own internal conflicts. We're able to really focus on our own DEIA work internally before we start uh, professor professorizing and, and telling other community members how to do their work. So like focusing on our shared internal values is really important to me. And that's the kind of work that I want to continue to do as as a new CEO of Momentum. Um, I always tell people, you know, I, I measure myself against myself. Right. You know, we oftentimes we look outside and look at what other organizations are doing and try to measure our work against their work. But I really try to really emphasize that, hey, let's make sure that we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing in the most uh, practical, pragmatic way in terms of looking at our own internal internal values so that we could, you know, be on a strong foot when we start sharing best practices with other organizations. And Christina has done a great job at that as as the former uh, CEO of the organization. And I just uh, am inspired and, and grateful that I'm able to take on that work in, the, in this new leadership role. Fantastic. Now we'll go back to Ms. Christina, the founder. Uh, you had some information you wanted to add onto the conversation? Yeah, I think, so I, I want to highlight the experience of entrepreneurship too, right? And I think it extends to my work that I'm going to be transitioning into now as founder. 
being an entrepreneur, there are so many barriers that we face, right? We One, sometimes we question, ah, is this for us? Are we supposed to be here? It's isolating, right? There are some folks that are not going to understand the journey, might not understand the challenges and might not recognize the barriers that we face as Black and Brown entrepreneurs. And so as as I've been in the process of Keith and I were just talking last night that it's been I, I've been an entrepreneur since 2016 have not taken any other job but working within my business. Um, and it's an honor to be able to do that. It's an honor to be able to build and see this company. I, I remember talking to Keith and thinking, whew, man, I just want to make sure that this business is sustainable and it feels legitimate, right? And so now seeing that now we have a team, now we offer insurance, now we offer a full benefits package. And it's not just this dream that we dreamed up, but it's a dream that now is transforming and supporting the lives outside of our family is beautiful. So I I say all that to say, with that energy and with that experience and building my own company, and then also connected to other entrepreneurs that I've been able to, to cross paths with, I'm pivoting into business coaching because throughout my work, throughout my own relationships, I'm seeing so many other folks that are thinking about entrepreneurship or are entrepreneurs, and again, are in that space of how do I, how do I continue to be in this space? How do I continue to build my business? And I think it's important for us as Black folks to be able to see our businesses as legacies, right? There's so many of us that are, are have another business on the side. Some folks might call it their side hustles, right? How can we make sure that these side hustles become legacy building businesses that generate generational wealth within our within our families, but then amplify the beauty of our communities. So that's what I'm going to be transitioning into. And it is an honor again to have Keith and his amazing service and skills that he's brought from the Tacoma City Council, driving diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Like I said, I can't imagine anyone else that has that background that is as that has that has what he brings to the table. So it's an honor. Well, that's great. Now, why don't you uh, give out any information you want people to have? including prospective uh, clients, uh, give us the uh, the contact information for Momentum. Awesome. Happy to. Well, so if you want to reach out to our CEO, his email is Keith at Momentum. PSP for professional strategy partners.com. But our, our website is momentumpsp.com. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And we are we would be honored to connect with you and really excited to support our continue to support our communities with the amazing work we're doing. Thank you again for the opportunity. Eddie Keith, anything else? Um, just want to say thank you, Mr. Rye. Um, you've been in this and and black in the space of black media for decades now, and it's an honor to be on your show. Um, it's always an honor to watch you work and watch you just kind of give people a, a great platform to share their businesses, their experiences, um, their political aspirations, and everything else. And you just being a, a huge advocate in our community has done so much for for. Uh, the city of Tacoma, for Pierce County, for King County, the entire state of Washington. We're, we're truly blessed to have you in this space and your team in this space. And I just want to let you know that you guys will be on every time you got something coming up. Let me know, because what you're doing is very valuable to our community. And they need to know where they can go to at least have someone to model after, because you can be setting the example for a lot of people that have these ideas but until they hear somebody that's brought them to fruition and how they did it, what the dedication, commitment had to be, that's inspirational. So thank you all very much. Like I said, you're always welcome here. Thank you, Mr. Rye. Okay, thank you. Take okay, care now. We're going to take this quick break uh, and then come back with our next guest. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. 
How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend Port Gen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, Eddie Bryan with Eric spinning the Christmas tunes. I want to thank uh, Sound Francis, uh, Office of Civil Rights, uh, Equity and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the Senior Sales Purchasing and Construction Services Division, and SeaTac uh, Bar Group LLC, you know, on the African Lounge of Mount Moon Bar and Concourse A out of SeaTac. Uh, my next guest already on is Corey Spruill who is one of the leaders, and uh, and I've been joined by Kate Harris. Katie Harris is on as well. Uh, Katie is uh, the chair, not of the MLK Organizing Coalition, like I had in the email, but she is chair of the workshop committee for the Seattle MLK Organizing Coalition. So Katie, welcome. Corey, welcome. So we'll start with the chair, and then we'll go to Corey. So uh, give us an update uh, in terms of what's happening with the workshops how did you go about uh, assessing and selecting uh, the workshops? And I understand that the deadline has already come and passed, or is it tomorrow? The deadline has come and gone to submit workshop proposals for this year. So each year we put out a call, usually in October, for in-person and virtual workshops to be part of the community workshop series that goes along with Seattle's annual MLK celebration. So this year we've got 18 in-person workshops and those take place on MLK Day, Monday, January 15th, and they start at 9.15 a.m. And we have four virtual workshops uh, beginning on Tuesday, January 9th. We've got some really interesting new topics this year. So one is a workshop um, that um, challenges African-Americans to actively participate as history keepers and recorders of family and community historical fact and memory. Um, so we are looking forward to that. The students of Denny International Middle School are going to be sharing their vision for Seattle's future. Um, and then we have some ongoing workshops, with ones that um, we have had before, and of course, they're never the same from year to year. We're, we're going to have an update on ongoing threats to democracy posed by far-right movements in the Pacific Northwest. We're going to have two workshops on reparations, one on um, a virtual workshop on perspectives of faith communities on reparations and an in-person workshop on how to talk to your friends and neighbors to make the case for reparations. And then the last one I wanted to highlight um, is a workshop. It's a standalone workshop on Thursday, January 11th at 6 p.m. And that is with the women of the Black Prisoners Caucus Community Group. So that's at Washington Hall on January 11th at 6 p.m. Fantastic, Kate. That's a very good job. But I did put an email. You would chair Sade. I'm sorry. Kate is just the chair. She's the chair of the workshop committee, which is also very important. We also have a opportunity fair, and we got seasoned veterans uh, involved with that. One of those people is uh, Corey Spruill, who does it every day for Benaroya Research. And uh, Corey, why don't you uh, share with our listeners uh, a little bit about what's happening and where we are with, in terms of the workshops for the MLK Day, which will start at 8.30. Mm -hmm. And we're also looking for volunteers to help, help Hayward Evans set up the tables on Friday, uh, 
that Friday would be uh, the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. Uh, was Friday the 12th? The 12th. I believe yeah, it's the 12th. The 12th, that Friday, the 12th, yeah. from 2 to 4 at Garfield High School. So if anybody just want to help out, we appreciate that. You can call Hayward at 206-778-6357 or Eddie Rye at 206-786-2763. Now we'll go to Corey Sproul. Corey, tell us about what is planned for the Opportunity Fair on January 15th, beginning Excellent. at 8.30 Garfield. Go ahead, Ray. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me, Eddie. I appreciate it. Um, sorry if I'm a little little low. I'm a little battling a cold that just kind of came on me here a couple of days ago. So, um, but I'm uh, happy to be here. Um, yeah, the Opportunity Fair, um, is a, is an amazing, wonderful event. Um, it, it was it was it's my first in um, introduction to um, the MLK um, celebrations. Um, I believe that was I started working on the Opportunity Fair. I believe it was about four four years ago, um, and and I started um, which is the, in the resume room, which is what I'm going to be managing um, the day of the event. And the resume room is is really an, an awesome addition that we have to the Opportunity Fair. Um, it's a, it's a little room on the side where we're going to have HR professionals, um, employment professionals in there um, who are going to help you to, um, you know, build your resume, of course, answer any questions you have about the employers that are outside that are um, at the different vendors and the tables. Um, if any questions in regards to interviewing, um, in regards to formatting your resume, we'll have printers, you know, if you want to print your resume off, you can come to our room and you'll be able to print your resume off as well. Um, and we will be open um, throughout the, the, the affair. It will be from a 30 to 11 30 um, is when we will be open as well. Now, do you have any idea right now uh, uh, the number of employers that will be attending and participating in the Opportunity Fair? You know, I don't have the, the full number right now. I know we, we're going to have up to, I believe, 49, 50 tables. Um, in addition, there, there, there will also be interviewing sections. So there will be places as well where there will be live interviewing happening as well. Um, I don't have the full number right now. Um, that that um, is with Marlene. And, and I'll, I'll probably we'll, we'll have a, a better understanding of that because I believe the website was just updated. And so um, the last email that I, I was on and saw is that we're getting a really great response, as we usually do with, with the employers. And so um, I believe we should have all of those those um, tables filled up, those vendors filled up for sure. Now, in the past, uh, they've actually had people hired right on the spot. They've right. also had people yes. uh, have uh, interviews set up at a later date. Later date. So uh, it's a Correct. good opportunity right. without going around to see 50 different locations. Come to one at Garfield High School at 830 on Monday, January 15th. And you can see all these employers there. And as I indicated, I know in the past they've actually hired people on the spot. Yeah. So if you yeah. feel like you're underemployed, more qualified than the job you're on, or want to upgrade your resume. Absolutely. Uh, Garfield High School at 8:30 on January 15th is the place to be. Yeah. No, all the employers there are going to have jobs that are ready right now that are that are jobs that are open. So even if you have a position right now and maybe you have some time off, you know, before you go and do the march, you know, come in, you know, um, say hello to us. Um, you know, get get to know and get to understand some of those jobs that are out there. You know, come in the op in the resume room and um, see where we are working on something right now in regards to maybe what we'll be able to have people to um, set up appointments. So you'll be able to set up an appointment to the resume room um, before, so that you know if you you don't want to wait in line, you'll set an appointment up and then we can sort of see you when you come in. So that's not in stone yet. It is something that we are hoping for and um, and, and working on, and so we'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, I know Hayward Evans had made that suggestion did, at one yeah. of our meetings as well. So I think that's a good idea. Anything we can do to help people get to where they need to be, because we came up with the idea of several years ago. They come to the route, they hear the workshops, and they, you know, go on the march, come back and eat some Ezels. Yeah. And then they might go be going home to a dead end job and no job at all. So yeah. in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr., with us is great. So uh, oh, I also wanted to ahead. plug too, you know, we're, we're also going to have a photographer there too. So if you don't right. have a LinkedIn page or a professional headshot right now, we will definitely have a photographer on site as well to, to get that covered for you as well. So be able to get that LinkedIn page set up for you as well. That's great. Well, yeah. uh, Katie, uh, chair of the workshop committee, you have any closing words for us before we depart? I think it's going to be a great day, and I hope everybody turns out, beginning with the Opportunity Fair, segueing to the workshops, and then to the rally and the march. All right. Absolutely. Well, thank both of you for all the work you're doing for the community. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thank Eddie. you.
Okay, here we're going to take this last break and come back with Deacon Chuck Smith from New Beginnings Christian Fellowship after this. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for Sound Transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Eddie Rye, back at Urban Forum Northwest with my next guest, Deacon Chuck Smith from New Beginnings Christian Fellowship Church in Kent, Washington. And he is very knowledgeable about the Christian principles. And we know that, and did, I did a little research, Advent day, uh, season is December 3rd to December 24th. Now, uh, Deacon Chuck Smith will tell you about all the elements and meanings of the elements that we use to celebrate the Advent season. So Deacon Chuck, go right ahead. Okay, well, uh, thank you, uh, Brother Eddie. As you mentioned, Advent is all about the coming. And in the uh, religious world, it's about the coming of Jesus' birthday. But it's also a lot more than just about Jesus' birthday, because we can't really think about Jesus' birthday without also reflecting back on who Jesus is, and that he is God in flesh. So we as we celebrate Jesus's birthday, we also remember his first birthday, the miracle birth. And then also as we travel with Jesus through his life, we remember that he said he's coming back again. So every year as we prepare to celebrate Jesus's birthday on December the 25th, four Sundays before that, we celebrate and remember his original birth, and the fact that he's coming back again. So churches have a variety of ways that they celebrate and anticipate Jesus over those four Sundays. Now, that is the one consistent thing that you will find from church to church. They they celebrate the anticipation of Jesus' birthday in many different ways. Uh, As you mentioned, this year, uh, Advent starts on December the 3rd. Well, Advent is always different every year. And people usually, as Advent is coming, they always say, when when does Advent start? So the key to remember on that is that the Sunday closest to November 30th will be the first Sunday of Advent. So the common way that most churches celebrate uh, Jesus each Sunday is through the lighting of candles. These four candles represent on the first Sunday, hope. On the second Sunday, peace. The third Sunday, love. And the fourth Sunday, joy. Now, as churches set up to light these candles, they are uh, critical in their selection of the colors of the candles. Most churches, the Catholic churches and the Baptist churches, they use the, their candles are purple and rose. There are three purple candles one rose candle, and one white candle. The three purple candles represent hope, peace, love. The rose candle represents joy. It represents a new dawning. It is a different color, but it's a mixture of purple and white. And then there's the white candle in the center, which is we call the Christmas candle or the Christ candle. In some churches, 
they will use blue instead of purple because in their denomination, blue represents royalty. You will also notice that in the setting uh, for the candles, there will be a wreath where the candles are set. That round wreath represents the eternity of God. God has no beginning and he has no end. And in addition to that will be uh, the, the wreath will be made of evergreen. And evergreen represents eternity. Some churches also during those four weeks may have a special evening service devoted to uh, Advent programs. They will be reflecting on those four things that we talk about, peace, love, joy, and hope. And the preachers during those four, four Sundays of, Advent, of the Advent season, preachers will preach sermons that they choose that will also reflect on all of those things that, that we celebrate in that coming anticipation of Jesus' birthday on December the 25th. It may be related to hope, peace, joy, Jesus' first birthday. Individual pastors make up their mind of what they're going to preach. But it's all celebration and anticipation. Now, the lighting of the candle, everything in church life has a lot to do with symbolism. Each candle that is lit is representation of Jesus' increasing light in the world. Every candle that is lit is symbolic of removing us from darkness of the world. And that's why on the fifth Sunday of Christmas, all five candles will be lit, which hopefully moving a lot of the darkness from the world. And some another interesting thing that I found out is some churches don't even sing Christmas songs before Christ's birthday because it isn't Christmas yet. So they sing songs of Advent, or programs developed to Advent, and they reserve their Christmas songs until Christmas Day. So in a nutshell, what people need to learn about the Advent season is that it represents four Sundays before uh, Christ's birthday, and that there will be reflections on peace, hope, love, and joy, and also reflections on the original birth. Some preachers may go over the uh uh, the birth of Christ again, because that's a, a part of the reflection of Advent, remembering the first birthday and also remembering the fact that Jesus is coming back again. So individual churches will choose how they uh, celebrate and anticipate the coming uh, birthday of Christ. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just that it's done differently. The colors of the candles may be different, but they are lit to symbolically represent the light of Christ in the world and the renewedness of darkness in our lives. So Deacon that's Judge, essentially. And as you mentioned that, we've been joined by Bishop Reggino Witherspoon Sr. Greetings. And, uh, yes, uh, yeah, Bishop is on with us. So I, I don't know. What do they do at your church, uh, Bishop Witherspoon? Regard, I got in on the tail end. Regarding... Oh, he's just talking about the color of the candles and stuff. But anyway, we want to go to uh, Martin Luther King uh, being a pastor, Deacon Chuck, I want you to hang on to this. Okay. Uh, we, have all, we have these celebrants. This is Bishop Reggie Witherspoon, renowned uh, religious leader in the state and the nation, and he is a bishop. I think you have uh, what uh, twenty-five churches that uh, in your jurisdiction. We right now we're at about eighteen, but we're growing on a regular basis. I, I, I assumed uh, this responsibility four years ago, and. We've already seen growth. Um, our, our goal is to have churches throughout the entire state of Washington, uh, looking at a goal of 50 churches in the next two years. Well, that, that's great because we I need we can do to it. act like they can A lot like of church it. planning. Yeah, well, we need people acting in a Christian-like manner <laughs> Amen, across brother. this country. But uh, I really wanted to, to chat a minute about, uh, you know, we have all these Martin Luther King Jr. celebrations. Mm. But people don't want to deal with the fact he was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And he had a large tent. Uh, we have some people say, well, we don't want elected officials involved with Martin Luther King celebrations. Well, Black people were very fortunate that Dr. King was able to get Lyndon B. Johnson yeah. as the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights of 65, and uh, the anti-denial uh, of opportunities and exercise rights 
were aimed at African-American people. Uh, when you saw the civil rights movement, you saw overwhelming number of African-Americans. Yeah, there were some Jewish people, some Asian people, especially the Japanese American Citizens League and mm. some other folks who were involved. But uh, the, the discrimination laws were aimed right at black people. So yeah, I, I want to get that straight. But then again, Dr. King was a pastor. Uh, and I just wanted uh, you to share, uh, Bishop, uh, what is your assessment about the way, direction we're going right now, uh, leaving out that part of his history when he's the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Yeah, well, and he's certainly intertwined with politics uh, in the sense that uh, I don't believe ben, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson would have done the things he did for us without Dr. King. As a matter of fact, Dr., um, Johnson once said civil rights laws were the greatest achievement of his administration. And uh, so that's because a preacher, a man of the gospel, a man of the cloth, um, Jesus was a very social Christ, all right? He was concerned about people. He was concerned about the disenfranchised, the cast outs, the rejects, the nobodies. Jesus put his hand on lepers. That was an absolute taboo. It was like going up to somebody who had COVID in 2020 without a mask. Um, Jesus, Jesus raised dead people up. He did all. He he ministered to prostitutes. Man, he always went to the disenfranchised, and that's who and what Dr. King was. He was first and foremost a preacher of the gospel. I've got his preaching book, and um, man, he was the most prolific preacher. One of the most prolific preachers our country. And our community has ever known. Let's not forget, he wasn't just a, before he was a civil rights um, agent. He was a gospel Baptist preacher. That's what made him. That's who he was. And he intertwined his his theology of God, the gospel, and civil rights and human rights. I think he did it brilliantly. And so, if to to, to negate and disregard what he wasn't who he was as a preacher, it's to absolutely disrespect his legacy. And the thing about it is that we wouldn't, Black people in America, African-Americans, Afri descendants of African-American slaves, would not have our rights had it not been for the 63 yeah. March on Washington, the Montgomery bus boycott, Rosa Parks City. And I know I, I lived in Louisiana until I was 10 years old, and the only people rode in the back of the bus were Black people. Everybody else rode in the front of the bus. The mm -hmm. only people had to go drink out the colored fountain were Black people. Everybody mm -hmm. else drank out the white fountain. The same thing with the movie theater and the restaurants. If you could go in there, you usually have to get it to go. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I just think that uh, we, we really got to deal with the reality of who, if you're going to say we're doing something in Dr. King's name, it should be as, as Dr. King lived his life and what his accomplishments were. Reverend he Dr. One, King. He is the one. Reverend Dr. King is the one that got Linda B. Johnson to yeah. sign Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, and that was the enfranchised African-Americans. And people yes. need to understand that it wasn't no BIPOC, it was BlackPOC, okay? And we just have to be honest, and some people, don't, some African-Americans don't want to talk about it like that, but that's just, that's history, that's the truth. I mean, yeah. it's just like uh, Black soldiers during World War II liberating Jews from concentration camps. They don't want people to know that, but that, that's online right now. You can go and read and mm -hmm. read about the 761st Tank Battalion that was all black. The Army said they didn't keep the records on it because they called them a bastard battalion, but they liberated folks. The real Black Panthers was was liberating folks. And then you get people, you know, we mm -hmm. can't forget that, and some people don't want us to know it. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, what would you suggest uh, to folks to make sure that people – really embrace and understand, I guess, tell them to read some more. <laughs> yeah, you know, Brother Eddie, a couple of things. I'm concerned about the African-American race in general. We honestly, in addition to Dr. King, we're standing on broad shoulders who believed in a supreme God, uh, who believed in a God who could deliver from slavery and those kind of things. One of our premier problems, one of our primary concerns for me is that many African-Americans are forgetting that your roots are in the church. Um, you, you're standing on shoulders of people who prayed to God when it was dangerous, who would get whipped or going out you know, into the woods somewhere to pray. And so first of all, we've got to get back to understanding who we are is in Christ Jesus. And let's be that. Whole, a whole lot of our issues are directly a result of us leaving God out of the equation. Dr. King understood 
he could not do the things he did in and of himself. Listen to me. He didn't do those things. And there are so many because he was a brilliant man. Yes, he was that. He was articulate. Yes, he was. But listen, he had what we call in the Christian church as the anointing. The anointing of God is the supernatural power of God moving on you to do things you could never do in and of yourself. You needed the anointing of God through the Holy Spirit to do what he did. So let, as we prepare to remember his legacy and never forget it, let's remember it was based in the church. He got birth in the church. And you, my friends, will never be all that you're supposed to be if you keep keeping, if you continue to keep Jesus Christ out of the equation. It's just a fact. We were made for God and not living for God is like a, a fish trying to live out of water. Our purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Dr. King engendered that. He he preached the gospel, man. He didn't just cry out for civil rights. He cried out, you must be born again. And so let's not forget that, man. Now, so many people know Jesus Christ, the, whole, the entire Baptist denomination um, to this day. We, we, so many of, of the preaching styles are an emulation of Dr. King. He was a prolific preacher. So don't forget, folks, You'll never be the best version of yourself without Jesus Christ. We got to get our, get our people back. The church is the only thing, Eddie, I want you to hear this, Brother Charles. The church is the only institution left on planet Earth that has the ability, the wherewithal, the power to make a difference. Government is not our answer. The educational system is not our answer. Um, you know, the, the financial system is not our answer. Everything I'm mentioning, there's systemic racism in it. The medical system, all of it, the answer to our people is Jesus Christ. The church has supernatural power to change people's lives. So folks, let's get back to that. If we want to really honor Dr. King's legacy, let's honor the God that was in him as well. Okay, Deacon Chuck, I want to give you about a minute to make your comment about Dr. King. <laughs> well, I... I'm uh, listening to uh, Bishop uh, Witherspoon, and I'm uh, in uh, agreeing with everything uh, that he is saying because uh, when 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 I was younger and and able to be active, uh, that was the time that I was coming along with Dr. King, and so that I saw him up close and in person, mm. and so uh, uh, I believe that he was a truly an anointed uh, person uh, who did great things for this country, and that's why uh, the country finally realized who Dr. King really was. Well, he wasn't just was. some he wasn't just some person passing through here who mm. would be forgotten. Yes. Okay, well we want to make sure that you know we have the Martin Luther King celebration coming up uh in uh, January 15th is a holiday and uh we would like to have uh our our churches, our bishops, Amen. our reverends to make sure that they have their congregants participate in this. So people can be reminded of who Dr. King was and what he was able to accomplish. So I want to okay, thank Eddie. Let me say this before you go. My my apologies. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it upon myself. You know, as a bishop, I I get to preside over other churches, so I've got some influence over some pastors. I'm gonna take it upon myself. My brothers across denominations, we are the church is gonna be strong on that day in attendance. I'm gonna give you a guarantee on that. It's gonna be a powerful exchange. Bishop Reggie Witherspoon, Sr., and Deacon Chuck Smith, thank you all very much for your time and your wisdom today. Uh, and uh, 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 happy Jesus Day is coming <laughs> up. And uh, love to your families and protection. So thank, thank you all very much. And I'll be talking with you both real soon. Thank I'll you. Thank you, for the, work, buddy. thank you for the opportunity. Okay. They in those trenches, Mr. Ride. Love you, man. I have to, sir. Thank all you. All right. Very much. We'll see you all. Okay. And then in checking out, I want to thank uh, uh, Sound Transit's uh, Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's uh, Purchasing and Construction Services Office, and SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. Uh, they own the Mountain Room Bar and also uh, the African Lounge on Concourse A at SeaTac. So, uh, Eric, thank you very much. And uh, Eddie Rye will be talking with you again next week on Urban Forum Northwest.